How do football players stay cool during a game? They stand next to the fans. <laughs> hey, it's a kickoff to football season, which I think has been going for a while, but I just now found a good football joke. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 54 of Starting Sustainability. I'm your host, Kaylin Chenoweth. Let's talk about sustainers taking action. I asked Sustainer Nation to find two plastic items in their house to swap out for a sustainable version or to eliminate altogether. And this was a popular topic. Many people responded. But I know many people also did not respond, and that is okay. If you need ideas on what to do to get started, then this is what these posts help with. There are lots of answers, and there are lots of repeats, so I condensed them down. Here is what Sustainer Nation has been doing to rid their house of plastic. Switching out shampoo and conditioner bottles for bars. Switching out Ziploc bags for silicone bags. Both of those are very popular switches. Plastic-wrapped toilet paper for paper-wrapped toilet paper rolls. And that's really catching on in this group. I have actually reached out to a couple of companies to try to get a discount code for you. No luck yet. I'll keep working on it. Plastic lotion bottles for lotion bars. And this one has been a tough one because I've found a handful of lotion bars and I'm just not loving them. But my niece Amanda over in Denmark said that she found Nivea has a lotion in a metal tin and it's available all around the world. So hats off to Amanda for that find. That's really good. Another popular switch is plastic dish brush for a wooden one, which my plastic dish brush is on its last leg. It's looking pretty grody and rundown. It's definitely time for a new wooden one. I am in the market for a wooden one. Synthetic kitchen sponges. Again, for the wood or bamboo brush versions. Toothpaste in tubes has now been switched out for toothpaste tabs. There's a couple of people in the group who have done that and they really liked it. Eliminating fabric softener altogether, not even finding replacement, just getting rid of it. Because you really truly don't need it. I actually don't use it anymore either. Once I found out that it builds up on stuff, leaving a film, especially on your towels, making them less absorbent, and we do cloth diapers, I do not need those being less absorbent. I want those to be more absorbent. Same with my towels. So I just got rid of fabric softener. You really don't notice that much of a difference. And the last one is switching out tea bags for loose leaf tea. All these are very simple little switches to get you started. So again, if you're brand new to this, you don't have to do all of them. Just pick one or two and start there. Finish up the shampoo you already have. You paid for it. You might as well finish it up. When done, recycle the bottle and replace it with a plastic-free shampoo bar or refillable shampoo. That's how you start your journey. We're going to switch on over to catch up with Kaylin. It is hunting season. Let's see how my husband does this year. He's been going mm, nine years strong without a kill. Prayers for safety and that he gets something, <laughs> anything, to validate the amount of time and money spent on his hobby. Hey, podcasting isn't cheap either, so I really can't complain too much. We each have our own thing. I did go grocery shopping again. Don't worry, I'm not going to read you my entire list like I did last time. But I did see the glass jar wee yogurt on sale again and was really excited to get more. And when I got home, I realized I had accidentally bought the coconut dairy alternative wee glass jar yogurt. So it was dairy free. Hmm. <laughs> I've never tried that kind before. I packed it for lunch 
and even said to the yogurt right before eating it, yes, I talked to my food. I asked the yogurt. I said, please be good. You were expensive. Even on sale, you were still expensive. I went in with an open mind, and it was surprisingly tasty. You could taste coconut, but still creamy and smooth and not overwhelmingly sweet. I honestly love coconut flavor, but hate shaved coconut. It's the super chewy texture thing. Can't get past it. The one that I tried was vanilla flavor, which I will correct and say it's really more of a coconut vanilla flavor, but still very good. I have more flavors at home to try, so I'm excited. <laughs> it's To me, it's really, I'm a food person, so I like trying new stuff. I also wanted to point out that eating yogurt in a glass jar with a metal spoon is a very loud clinky clinky event, and I tried my best to eat as quietly as possible. My coworkers could still hear me eating every step of the way. <laughs> so be mindful of where you are eating and how loud you're being. <laughs> sustainability rocks. <laughs> I'm literally like clinking in sustainability into my coworkers' heads. I am still collecting all these jars. I'm going to put it out there in the universe and ask Yoplay to create a return program. I will give you the jar back to reuse and you can give me some money back like a deposit. I know the cost is up compared to other yogurts, mostly because of the glass jar. Some states have a bottle return program. I know Michigan does where you pay a deposit added to the sale price for your sodas or water or beer. And when you return the bottles, you will get your deposit back. Yoplay, I need you to make that happen. This past Saturday night was game night at my sister's. We do this annually, once a year. I arrived and brought an entire tub of books for my niece. I was bragging how I had gone through our closets and decluttered and had an additional four moving boxes worth of stuff to donate. And this is why you should never brag. My sister, Rael, brought two tubs worth of toys and clothes for my kids, items her own kids had outgrown. Okay, I loaded them up in the back of my car. Then my mom arrived with two tubs of fabric scraps for our merchandise items. Awesome. And two tubs of my old things from junior high and high school that are suddenly taking up too much space in her basement. <laughs> and then my sister Michelle pulled up and she had books and vases and cloth napkins for me. Another tub of stuff. If you are not keeping track, we are now up to seven tubs. Good thing I got rid of those four boxes and made room for these seven tubs. <laughs> <laughs> I was cracking up laughing because we all claim as a family to be decluttering and minimalizing. Dawn's stuff went to Michelle. Michelle's stuff went to Raelle. When her kids outgrew it, then it came to me. And now I'm sending it back to my sister Dawn for her grandkids. <laughs> We're not actually getting rid of anything. We're just shuffling it around from house to house. <laughs> I did stay the night after family game night because I live an hour and a half away. And the next morning, I had a great conversation with my sister Dawn, and I wanted to share that with you now. We talked about how we get a credit card's worth of plastic in our bodies each week. That fun fact came from episode 52, Problems with Plastic. So if you haven't listened in, I strongly suggest you do. Let's analyze how you can actually eat a credit card's worth of plastic each week. When you're cooking, you're cutting food on a plastic cutting board, stirring with a plastic spoon, Storing in a plastic container, and then you're microwaving it in a plastic container, eating it with a plastic fork. You thirsty? Grab a drink. It's most likely in a plastic cup, or at least a paper cup lined with plastic. And how do you drink it? With a plastic straw. And even when you buy the food, it's wrapped in plastic. Even fresh produce comes with little plastic stickers on them. And then you place them in a plastic bag, and you have 21 meals in one week, plus drinks, plus snacks. What do you brush your teeth with? 
a plastic toothbrush with plastic bristles and your toothpaste comes out of a plastic tube. Also, your floss is made of plastic. Now can you see how that adds up pretty quickly? That's why it's important to switch out the plastics both for sustainability reasons and for your health too. I do want to send out a quick reminder about merchandise. We're going to have a live Facebook sale November 20th. That is this Friday. This Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're not already a part of the Facebook group called Starting Sustainability, please join it. And if you know people who would be interested in some of our merchandise, invite them to join into the Facebook group. That way they can be a part of it too. Okay, let's get started with the topic of the day. We're going to answer some hard-hitting questions. What are carbon emissions? Why are they bad? What are greenhouse gases? Why are they bad? What can you do to reduce them? And what is carbon offsetting? For this episode, I got my information from earthhero.com, an article titled How Carbon Offsets Work from science.howstuffworks.com and the California Cap-and-Trade Program website. Do you know what carbon is? Let's defer back to high school chemistry, where we learned about the periodic table of elements. Carbon is an element, just like hydrogen and oxygen. H2O is two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen, making up water. CO2 is one carbon atom and two oxygens, making carbon dioxide. Carbon is the most common element on Earth. It is found in the air we breathe, the food we eat, and we are comprised of carbon as well. It's what makes our hair and nails and skin, everything. Carbon dioxide, CO2, is found in many places in nature. It is exchanged between the oceans and the atmosphere. Humans and animals exhale it out with each breath, and when plants and animals decompose, that process releases carbon dioxide into the atmosphere as well. Because Mother Nature takes care of the earth, carbon dioxide is kept in balance. Carbon cycles through air, water, and earth via plants absorbing it using photosynthesis. Remember learning about that in biology? (laughs) And the oceans absorb it as well. So why is carbon dioxide bad? When carbon dioxide is in excess, Mother Earth cannot keep up at cycling it back into balance. Unfortunately, humans got involved and created linear systems that produce carbon dioxide and no additional systems to absorb it at the same rate. When fossil fuels like coal, natural gas, and oil get refined, transported, and burned, those processes create or emit excess carbon dioxide. Then we make matters worse by cutting down trees and polluting the oceans that absorb the carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas. What are greenhouse gases? (laughs) Greenhouse gases build up in the atmosphere and prevent heat from escaping the atmosphere. If heat can't escape, it builds up, ultimately increasing global temperatures and disrupting weather patterns. Climate change. Cars, planes, power plants, and factories all emit greenhouse gases. The Kyoto Protocol is an international greenhouse gas agreement, and it defines six troubling types of emissions. There are a bunch more, but these are like the big six. Number one, carbon dioxide. I've already told you how it gets put out there. It is the most common greenhouse gas emission. Next up is methane, CH4. This comes from landfills, livestock, Agriculture activities and the production of coal, natural gas, and oil all generate methane. It is an emission far more powerful than carbon dioxide. Nitrous oxide, N2O. 
Sewage treatment and the combustion of fossil fuels both produce nitrous oxide. However, fertilizer and agricultural soil management release the majority of this potent emission. Sulfur hexafluoride, SF6. The electric power industry uses this man-made compound for insulation and current interruption. Hydrofluorocarbons, HFCs. These come from solvents, refrigerants, firefighting agents, and propellants for aerosols. These all use hydrofluorocarbons. Chlorofluorocarbons. Chlorofluorocarbons. CFCs. <laughs> Sorry, I did take chemistry, but it's still hard to pronounce these. And the last one. Perfluorocarbons. Perfluorocarbons. PFCs. There are relatively low amounts of PFCs in the atmosphere, but they're hard to get rid of. The estimated atmospheric life of this solvent and component of aluminum production ranges from 10,000 to 50,000 years. All of that information came from the National Center for Biotechnology Information. Now that we know what greenhouse gases are, we can continue on with the lesson. Companies, airlines, and bands like Coldplay and Pink Floyd are promoting carbon neutrality. What is that? Carbon neutrality begins with reduction. It's a concentrated effort to produce less waste and use more renewable energy. Think of what goes into performing a concert for a band. They have to travel to get there, use electricity for the production, merchandise, food, drinks, cups, napkins, forts, etc. So they reduce what they can, like traveling by train, renewable sources of energy for the electricity, composable cups, napkins, forks. Once they cannot reduce any more, then they buy carbon offsets to make up for the rest, and that is how they become carbon neutral. We've just learned another phrase, carbon offsets. What the heck is that? <laughs> it's another term I'm going to teach you about. NPR, Planet Money, has an excellent episode titled Sell Me Your Climate Bombs that explains this so well. So I have to give a shout out to Dawn because she's the one that sent me this NPR episode, and it is very interesting to listen to. So I'm going to have the link to the NPR Planet Money episode, Sell Me Your Climate Bombs, in the show notes. And I do suggest that you listen, and it's very good. So I'm going to give you the tease for the episode alone. There's this greenhouse gas out there that has up to 10,000 times the warming effect of regular old carbon dioxide. There are tanks of this stuff lurking in garages and sheds all over the country. And the tanks are rusting, which is a big problem. Because when these tanks rust, the gas can leak out into the atmosphere. <laughs> Do you like my movie theater guy voice? In the NPR episode, it talks about two guys who put up an ad to buy refrigerant, a.k.a. Freon. Then they meet up with HVAC, tinkerers, and other people who have the refrigerant to buy it. Then they go to a facility and pay to have it incinerated. They made a business out of that. Simple math states if you buy a product and then pay someone else to burn it, that is not a good business model. <laughs> when they pay the facility to burn the refrigerant, the facility gives them a carbon emission offset credit. They can then sell those credits to businesses who brag about offsetting carbon emissions. What? <laughs> That's crazy! The company is called Tradewater, and their website explains what they do. 
However, they have found people are attached to the refrigerant for some reason and don't want to sell it knowing it will be destroyed. So they created a fake website called Refrigerant Finders. And that's how they find these people to buy their refrigerant. How do they sell their carbon emission offset credits? They go through the California cap and trade system. I didn't even know this thing existed. Out in California, there is a cap on businesses for how many carbon emissions they can produce. This year, California is only allowing 334 million metric tons of new greenhouse gas emissions. That is the cap. That is the same amount California produced back in 1990. California businesses need a pollution permit for each metric ton they will pollute. Those permits are tradable or sellable in a permit market via auctions and brokers. The prices change per supply and demand, and as of September 25, 2020, it was $17 for one ton of carbon dioxide. That is the cap and trade system, a cap on emissions and a trade for permits. Let's say Tom's manufacturing plant needs to put out 2 million carbon emissions to make his product. Well, say shoes. He needs 2 million permits and only has 1 million. Jill's food production company used to put out 2 million and she restructured her company so now it only puts out 1 million. She has 1 million left over that she can now turn around and sell to Tom. I understand the good intentions behind putting a cap on the carbon emissions. It forces companies to change their ways for the better good of the planet. However, there are loopholes. But I guess Tom still has to pay $17 million for the permits he purchased from Jill, and Jill is getting rewarded for improving her business and polluting less. I'm just not really sure how I feel about it. It's a little crooked. In the end, it still costs Tom extra money for doing the wrong thing, and Jill gets paid to do the right thing. California's cap-and-trade system covers many sectors of business. Transportation, industrial, electric power, commercial and residential, agricultural, and high GWP, and I had to look that up. That is global warming potential and waste. There's a link in the show notes to learn more about the California cap-and-trade program. There's a whole lot more to it, and honestly, it was a little bit over my head. So that's the basics of it. (laughs) This is just California. Other states do have a cap-and-trade program, but it only aims to reduce carbon dioxide emissions from the power sector. The other states don't have all the other sectors that California has. And those states are Connecticut, Delaware, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Rhode Island, and Vermont. All East Coast. Okay, the rest of the U.S. kind of needs to wake up and get on board here. Today we went over what carbon is, what carbon emissions are, greenhouse gases and how they affect climate change, also carbon neutrality, and carbon offsets. That is a lot of carbon vocabulary. (laughs) I'm going to stop for now as to not create any more confusion among all of these terms. Next week is Thanksgiving. Yes, I will have an episode on Monday discussing the different ways to be eco-conscious during this family feast time. The tips will apply to most occasions during the holiday season as well not just Thanksgiving, all the other holidays. When we come back from Thanksgiving, I will hopefully, fingers crossed, have a special collaboration episode with a new up-and-coming podcast called Realistic Sustainability with host Michael Nazarian. We will get into carbon footprints and how you can reduce yours and build a positive footprint.
So that's pretty cool. We did cover a lot today. Again, show notes are going to be at www.startingsustainability.com slash episode 54. Don't forget our merchandise sale, our first live sale for our homemade beautiful creations made by Amanda, our merchandise maker, will be this Friday, November 20th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please put it in your calendar. Please attend. You don't even have to buy a bunch of stuff. Just attend and join in on the fun. We have been working so hard and we're really excited to share all these really, really cool, sustainable products with you. Everybody have a wonderful rest of your week and continue to stay sustainable. And I will talk to you all again next week. Bye.